What's up, y'all? I am Chris Chouse, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. We got a good show tonight. I'm back with my man, Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot other than uh, than week 15 was uh, was probably the, the absolute shit show of shit shows. And mm. with what we're going to be talking about later on in the show, yeah, it's a very good chance that the same thing could happen in week 16. But with that said, yeah. um, we have a special date today because... So yes. we're recording this on Wednesday because of the, the the two Tuesday night games. So we normally record on Tuesday, pod drops on Wednesday. But just for you, Headliner Nation, we are recording now on a Wednesday. And when this drops, it will officially be Festivus. Festivus, now, baby. And Festivus. For all, of you, all of you listeners out there of the last couple of years, you all know that Chaus loves, <laughs> loves his airing of grievances. Yes. And this this year, like we did last year, he gets to officially do it in proper manner proper manner because i'm a huge seinfeld fan i i, I love seinfeld man frank costanza he was the shit man he, him and his festivus so you know what let's 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 do him some good and this is festivus because i got some problems with you people and now you're gonna hear about it first i'll start off before you get into your rant man because guess what analytics in football so here we go man I, you know what's funny I don't hate analytics. You don't hate analytics. We use the numbers in this game a lot because, you know, it helps in everything we do uh, to evaluate teams and players. However, analytics are not the base for everything. Good God. And the L.A. Chargers were one to show that last week. Uh, You know, the Baltimore Ravens again doing the analytics movement and it's just not working. So here's the thing. I have no issue. You are what? fourth and three fourth and two fourth and four and you're on like the 45 or 50 of your opponent and you want to go for it on fourth down absolutely i don't hate that play because the analytics state hey you know your percentage of gaining this first down and even if you miss it your defense playing well percentages blah 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 but when you're really on like the 10 yard line and you are driving the field and it's a zero zero score You kick the three points, man. There is no reason to go for the seven at that point. You need points. And then again, you go back again and you're driving the field. Again, you get stuffed three times with inside the five yard line and you go for it on fourth down. Kick the bloody field goal, man, because guess what? L.A. Chargers, those missed points, you had nine. You would have won the game. That game would have never went to overtime and the Chiefs wouldn't have beat you. That's my first airing of grievances, Chris. Analytics in football. Also, can we talk about uh, the Baltimore Ravens when you have the best kicker in football and you decide to not kick the field goal? I just don't like understand. take your chances going to overtime. If you really think your football team is is better than the other football team, you're going to deal with overtime and you're going to overcome that. But no. So that's that that kind of goes on to what you were talking about. There. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that game later on as well. But I think you got some grievances here on Festivus. Yes. So my grievance here is. It has to do with fantasy football players. Now, granted, we all know that injuries happen in football. Okay? There, there are very few things that we can predict. Now, we can, you know, and and our, our resident doctor, Ethan Turner, will tell you this. There's a way to not necessarily predict, but you can give better odds towards players that have a higher chance of getting injured based off of their history. All right. Mm. So we can't really say, okay, well, this player is going to be a bust or not. But for the most part, and especially at the running back position, because as we've talked about and something that I've mentioned nonstop, that the running back position is the most volatile position in football because they get hit more than any other position in the game, as far as mm. I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So fantasy running backs that you most likely took 
I'd say within the first 30 running backs that were drafted, um, Christian McCaffrey ranked number one in ADP currently ranked number 30 Saquon Barkley seventh in ADP 33rd currently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not done yet. We got CEH <laughs> 14th in ADP currently ranked 38th. And this one hurts me a lot. Chris Carson, who I was, I was touting as a solid RB two. He was taken as the 17th overall running back. Granted, he's had some injuries, but still currently ranked the 67th overall running back in half PPR scoring. So for me, not only does this say that, you know, you it, it, running back can kind of be a little bit of a crapshoot, but it also means get some damn handcuffs because if you don't have those players backups, you could be hurting for the most part. But some trends that I did see that I really did like as well are tight end. You know, tight end is something where you can wait on that because when you're looking at their, their current rankings compared to their ADP, four of the top 10 tight ends at the moment were all drafted after the 12th round. Some guys that I took, again, injuries, but Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon taken in both in the seventh round. They're both 35th or, or worse in their current rank. So a lot of these guys, injuries absolutely decimated my teams. Chaus, I know they decimated your teams mm. personally. Decimated. So my, my airing of grievances right now are underperforming fantasy players. It's truth. And I mean, we, we can only go on what we know. And, and I mean, we can give you all the, again, analytics. We use them even though I'm airing it. But I mean, it's, it's funny because we, we put in all the work, you do all the study and God, man, like Saquon, for instance, he rolls up on his ankle or his ankle rolls up on that guy's foot because he's looking in the wrong direction. You can't predict that shit. That's just part of the game. And it happens. He gets a high ankle. He's gone for four. Like, that's just how it goes in football, man. And I mean, my teams, man, I, I, I showed you guys what my team was. And then like, they just shit the bed and there's not much you can do. There is a, a ounce of luck in, in this fantasy football realm that no matter what, how many times you study it, how many times you pick the best teams and the best players, my, my team was just loaded in that one keeper league. And I mean, it just couldn't get out of its own way. I mean, that's just how it is. You try to maneuver on the waiver wire and it sometimes it doesn't work. It doesn't pan out. And I mean, uh, that's why we got to go back to the, to the well. And, and this, I was actually thinking, Chris, you know, it's funny you bring up all the fantasy stuff. It was, I was thinking the other day, it's almost like, like I want to get into now building my own sheets about, you know, how many uh, uh, valuable carries and receptions it's more for the running backs, valuable carries over just, you know, the, the complete averages, because the averages are skewed as well. The the guy can get like 22 points per game, but he's only played eight games. And and then the rest of it's a crapshoot. If we go to value and at garbage time, garbage time is Mm -hmm. huge. So the the following season, we could have a top 10 running back because he got like a PPR upside in garbage time. Leonard Fournette was huge in that in Jacksonville. And and then all of a sudden he shit the bed the following year. And everyone's like, Lenny sucks, man. No, it's about the value to his, uh, his, his uh, uh, carries to targets. And I think that's what I need to start dissecting a little bit more. Cause I think that's going to be a value uh, added number system for, for generating better rosters. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at, you know, running backs currently uh, I'm looking at a couple specifically that are currently ranked in the top five that were taken in the eighth round or later. And that was the aforementioned Leonard Fournette taking mm. the 31st overall running back 
And then also you have James Conner taken as a 38th overall running back. Both of these guys are fourth and fifth and half PPR scoring this year. There you go. And I mean, that just, okay, there's the other thing. We know changing team and scheme can uplift somebody else, but it was also the Leonard Fournette argument. People said he couldn't catch in Tampa Bay last year. Man, he, he caught like 80 passes in Jacksonville before he left. What are you guys talking about? He doesn't catch passes. It was the system and scheme. He came with Tom Brady the first year. It didn't pan out. They did a timeshare. And then they finally realized Bruce Arians gave his head a shake and was like, hey, Uncle Lenny can actually still play ball, so I'm going to keep feeding him the rock, and, and look what happens, man. So it is year-over-year year value uh, to return for sure. No, absolutely, and and that was the thing. I think it was Leonard Fournette's rookie year. He had, like you mentioned, he had you know 80-plus uh, you know, receptions. Like He was just an absolute target monster for, for Jacksonville. So, yeah, I think, it, like, you, like you said, it's all about scheme. It's all about opportunity, and that's what it is with a lot of these guys. You know, you look at the wide receiver position, and you're looking at guys that you were probably going to be able to take, you know, that were either went undrafted or were just taken, you know, in like the 23rd, 24th round, specifically Christian Kirk and Hunter Renfro, both taken in the 22nd and 24th round. Mm. They're currently the wide receiver 24 for Kirk and wide receiver 18 for Renfro. And these are the guys that you probably could have gotten off of waivers before the season started. Absolutely. And Renfro is a huge one. Kirk, for me, I think he is more, uh, I want to say successful due to injury. But I, but the Renfro thing to me, I think he is. It, it was just a complete miss on everybody's part because he had to have. Uh, we nobody would have known he was going to be that highly utilized in this offense this season. Rugs or not, hit the situation. I mean, he's had a very, very strong season. Yeah, absolutely. And then for those of you who you know waited until the mid rounds, like round eight, get yourself Debo Samuel, Brandon mm. Cooks. They both paid off, and then paid so. off, paid off, huge. But I like it because that is a grievance because people always come and say, you don't know what you're doing, man. You're telling me this is why these things happen, man. We do tell you what we know at the time. We are. We don't have a magic ball. If we did, man, dude, I'd win the lotto. So get out of my way with this garbage. I hear you. Actually, that'd be really nice. Magic eight ball would be great. Yeah. You know, get some get some dough. But I got I got another one, man. I got some problems with you people. And now you're going to hear about them because it's Festivus. And the thing is, people commenting. So here we go. We love Headliner Nation. We love the support. We're very appreciative. And and, you know, sometimes, you know, the 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 stragglers come in, the trolls come in and, and it gets me hot and bothered. And the reason why I bring it up is because today I was dealing with some commentary on uh, YouTube there and. Dude, okay, I mispronounced somebody's name, okay? It happens, okay? We we deal with, what, 2,000-plus players that we're evaluating, 32 teams in the NFL. I took on some college, so there's like 100 teams in college, for God's sakes. What do you want from me? Sometimes I'm going to make a mistake and an error in saying somebody's last name. Shit, give me a break, man. Does that have to be in the comments for you to sit there and say, hey, man, you just butchered this guy's last name. Do your research. Hey, man, if that triggers you that hard for anybody's last name being, uh, you know, a couple syllables off, chill the F out because guess what? We make mistakes, too. I'm human. And it's sometimes your tongue doesn't work properly and you say the wrong thing. It's not like I'm Stephen A. Smith telling you Hunter Henry's the biggest play to watch in the game when he hadn't played all season. That's a comment you come after people, not a freaking last name mispronunciation. Damn. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's one thing where uh, <laughs> and I, it's funny you mentioned the Hunter Henry thing. Cause I remember watching that with Stephen A. Smith and it was the AFC championship game against the Patriots. <laughs> And he said that the Patriots' biggest concern was going to be Hunter Henry. And then his colleague had to be like, uh, yeah, Hunter Henry hasn't played in like eight weeks. So, yeah, yeah best of luck. <laughs> 
Yeah, do your research there, man. So get out of town. But anyway, the COVID, that's Festivus. Happy Festivus to everybody, man. Uh, Christmas is coming, but I guess Festivus is first. I don't celebrate it. I just like Frank Costanza, man. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Festivus is officially December. I guess it's December 23rd every 23rd. year. Oh, okay. Perfect. December, <laughs> December 23rd every year, apparently. So. I was that's according to the Google. That's what that's what they said. Of co- according to Seinfeld Google. I love it. Man. Yeah, that's perfect. Exactly. What a great show that was, man. I can still watch all the reruns and be like still laughing like I seen it for the first time. And you a Seinfeld guy oh, or no? Yeah. Oh, big Seinfeld guy. Absolutely. I love, I love it. I love it, man. It's one of the few shows where you turn it on. It doesn't matter like what episode it is or how far along in the episode you sit and you watch the rest of it. Absolutely. And I think I know all those jams by heart, man. Like I can I can recite it all to you. That's how many times I've seen it. Yeah, bad boys. Yeah, man, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> the COVID man, what is going on, Chris? It is new, like worldwide outbreak on this new variant, and it's it's turning things loose, man. I mean, right now we got this. We just saw what happened in week 15. And like you said, week 16 is going to potentially be the same, if not worse. We got KC on an outbreak. We got the Jets on an outbreak. We just saw big names like Eckler and Guyton on the list. Cook's on the list. And this ain't stopping Kelsey Tyreek on the list. Like, dude, man, a lot these, of these people I are going to be in trouble, man. And a lot of a lot of these players are vaccinated, so they will have a chance to to still play on Sunday. For those that you know, either have a a Thursday night game or a, one of their two Saturday games, that could be a little bit more in question. But for those that have the Sunday games, like Kelsey uh, Harrison Butker, Tyreek Hill. They all still have a chance to play. They just have to make sure that they have negative tests, you know, or what is it? Two consecutive negative tests, I believe. So I think they'll, they'll be okay to play. Um, Eckler, I'm not sure, but that seems a little bit iffy because everyone's already blowing up on Twitter saying that it's Justin Jackson's season, but I don't remember when it's ever been Justin Jackson's season, <laughs> even when Eckler wasn't playing before. So facts, man. I don't yeah. know. I actually heard the Butker thing. It was updated just recently that he is, uh, he's unvaccinated. So he's going to be out of this game. Oh, sweet. So I have to now officially change my kicker rankings. So there you stay go. tuned for that, Patreon. <laughs> hey, man, I only report it as I see it. And I mean, this is a big problem. I mean, this just sucks because it, it's semifinal week for fantasy football. If you made it through, if you had the buy good on you, if you made it through, I mean, you had to have people like Debo, JT, um, Kelsey and company on your teams likely to make it through. But I mean, shit, you guys are going to be in in tough. So the, hit that waiver wire with everything you possibly have, because I mean, Gabe Davis, man, he looks like a great play again, Chris. He does. And I just want to make a quick mention. Um, I was in the first round of the playoffs in four leagues uh, this year. There were two where I did have a first round by, but the other leagues uh, that I, I'm in, fortunate enough to make the playoffs in all of them. But the four where I had a first round matchup, um, lost in every single one of them. So I don't have to worry about waivers for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm out as well. I had two left in the playoffs and, and that was it, man. One and done yet again. <sighs> Injuries and COVID, man. It's yeah, but I love the I love the Gabriel Davis call. I think he's going to be, you know, with with Cole Beasley out. I think that's going to be a, a big pickup. And as you mentioned in our, our group chat as well, you know, might be more looks for Isaiah McKenzie, you know, mm-hmm. so that might be somebody in a deep, deep league that you're in that you might want to get as a little sleeper. But I think Davis is definitely somebody who, uh, who who's going to have to step up and is going to get the target share. And for those of you who listen to the DFS edition of the straight chub, he was my sleeper of the week and he had himself a pretty nice game. Pretty good game. Just a little bit. It was very nice. Gabriel Davis. We'll get into the bills in a minute, but I mean, hey, 
we got to just talk. You know, I want to I want to talk about this real quick, because hmm. I was thinking as I was watching the games last night, I was watching the Rams and, and I was flipping back and forth between both games. It felt odd. I mean, the games didn't feel like they were super competitive. Obviously, the, the Washington football team riddled with COVID issues. And then the Rams, you know, they just took it to the to the Seahawks in that second half. But what does it say about a quarterback, Chris? If he can potentially have two of the best season statistical wide receivers in the history of the game, and mm-hmm. he's not even being respected, man, the way he should be. I'm speaking of Matthew Stafford. He had Calvin Johnson, best statistical uh, season ever. Cooper Cup is going almost to the point where he could get 2,000 freaking receiving yards. I get it. Another game added to the schedule. Fine. Make the argument. But shit, man, 2,000 receiving yards, that's unheard of, man. If I break the numbers oh, before you jump in, Cooper Cup right now, 122 catches, 1625, 14 touchdowns. Calvin, when he broke the record in 2012, it was 122, 1964, and five touchdowns. Julio comes in third, 2015, 136, 1871, and eight touchdowns, man. But Matthew Stafford, dude. Two of the best potentially ever statistical wide receivers. Why aren't we talking about this guy more? Well, I think first of all, because number one, it was Calvin Johnson. And I almost wonder if not, I'm not saying Calvin Johnson would have those exact same numbers. If it was any other quarterback, because Stafford is a very good quarterback. Um, But Calvin Johnson is also, he was a, just an absolute beast. One of the all time greats Cooper cup. I think a lot of it is because number one, he's a phenomenal receiver. Um, also because of the target share that he's getting. I mean, he's he's got, what, almost 170, 165 targets so far through the first 15 weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that is that's like Marvin Harrison, uh, Calvin Johnson. You know, that's Michael Thomas-esque. Like those, are, those are guys that just rack up the targets. Um, and I think that with Stafford, I mean, I think it's because of the lack of winning. That's why he gets so much disrespect. It's not his ability as a quarterback. It's just the fact that he's never actually been on a really good team that's been good enough to make it to the playoffs or once they do actually advance into the playoffs. Now he's got a solid, very good team Mm. in the Rams. And so he doesn't have to play great for them to win. I mean, they've shown that they can do it with any kind of a running back. You know, obviously it doesn't have to be Cam Akers. It can be Daryl Henderson. It can be Sony Michelle. It doesn't really matter. You can take out Robert Woods. You're going to throw plug in OBJ and Van Jefferson. So you can plug and play all these different pieces. And Stafford still doesn't have to play perfect for them to win these games. That's how good this team is. And that's why I think that he doesn't get the respect that he deserves for this team specifically because there's so much talent around them. If he were able to do this back in Detroit and be Mm. this dominant in Detroit, then I think there'd be a much different conversation. But it's the perception from a lot of people online that is kind of clouding their judgment a bit. And I feel sorry for him because... Man, he is legit one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, and, and toughest. I, toughest. Like, t- like We said that before. Toughest son of a bitch out there. And and I'm, I mean, like when you're talking about quarterback play and what he's able to do, how he's able to maneuver the field, he is not a guy that I'm sitting there concerned about when the game's on the line and you're like, shit, they got to put it in Stafford's hands to win. I'm not talking about Jared Goff this way. Jared Goff, you have no trust. Other quarterbacks, you have no trust. You're right. Matthew Stafford needs to be put a little bit higher on these on these boards of respect because team aside, okay, he had a shit team in Detroit for how long? Yes, he had Calvin, one of the greatest wide receivers ever to play. Yes, okay, you can chuck it up to Calvin triple coverage and he's coming down with the ball. I understand that. 
But this is a difference because Cooper Cup isn't necessarily one of the best wide receivers in the league, quote unquote. But I mean, he is putting up these crazy astronomical numbers where I'm saying two, if he hits 2000 receiving yards. Yes, a lot of that is on Cooper Cup, but a ton of this is going to be on Matthew Stafford getting him the ball. And like you said, I get it. There's more weapons on this team. So then you're going to see no double teams, et cetera, on Cooper Cup. If he, but he's the he, Cooper Cup, man, his route running, his separation. Good God, man. It, it, this whole thing just works. And I just want to give some respect to Matthew Stafford because these numbers are crazy, man. You know, and to talk about the numbers, you know, he's he's third in passing yards. He's second in passing touchdowns, but he's also top 10 in best interception uh percentage here. Yeah, he has 10 interceptions all in the year, but when you put that into how many passing attempts and passing completions he has, he's still top 10 in the league in, you know, limiting those turnovers and certain opportunities. So for me, not only has he been is the volume there, but also the efficiency has been there as well. So I think that kind of gets lost into into it the whole kind of aspect and, and idea of what Matthew Stafford is. Yeah, I agree, man. And the interception ratios are huge, man. If you're talking, if you're talking straight up, how many TDs to NTC passes, how many passes to Indies and he's, he's barred on. He's he, I always liked him and maybe you're right. Maybe the cloud of the, the Detroit stink, uh, maybe covered up his career and made it sorry, Detroit fans. I mean, you guys, I feel for you guys, man, but you guys were lucky this week. So, Hey, well, we'll talk about that too, man. <laughs> but Thursday night football. Let's jump back, man. The Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Chargers, man. 34 to 28 overtime victory. If you guys missed it, Kelsey takes that uh, crazy run pass all the way to the one. They end up winning the game. Uh, or is, that was the score to go into overtime. Then they ended up winning the game with Kelsey. But I mean, a couple takeaways from this game that I took. Number one, is Kansas City back, fully back to being this top contender? I was, I'm struggling with this question, even as I ask it, because I don't know. I, I I seriously literally don't know. They've been playing great on defense and they turned it up in that second half, but there were moments in that game again where you're like, really guys, really? Well, that's the problem is that it took the second half for them to do that. And specifically the fourth quarter for them to really kind of kick things up because in the first half of the game, it wasn't, it, it wasn't anything super exciting. And that game could have, this game could have been way more out of hand if the Chargers decided not to, you know, not to necessarily go for it on like three, fourth, that fourth and goals yeah, in the man. first half. So, I mean, that could have been in heck, if they had converted those, then this game would have been way out of hand early. But the fact that it takes the Chiefs, you know, a little bit of time takes them the first half, maybe to to get things going. What happens when they face a team that makes really good halftime adjustments, you know, that that make those those adjustments when they need to instead of just sticking to the same script like we saw the Chargers do throughout that entire game? That's where it gets a little bit concerning, you know, specifically like, OK, let's look at the Bills. Let's mm. look at the Patriots. You know, those are two teams specifically that like to make adjustments at halftime and the Chiefs. I don't know if they've actually have have, have played a team yet that has been able to make those those proper adjustments as of late, because it has been these last five, six weeks when they really have started to come on where the first half of the season, I mean, they were just an absolute mess. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a tough one. I, I, I still struggle with it. Mahomes. Okay. He's doing Mahomes things, the running game, you know, you're getting a, what you need out of it, I guess you could say, but the, the Kelsey thing. So, you know, he, I saw his interview after the game and, you know, everyone was talking the same shit. Where is Travis Kelsey? What's wrong with him this year? Why can't he ball out like he used to? And then he puts everybody on notice on Thursday night football saying I'm here. And, and I mean, what a career 191 yards receiving, like, 
that's just insane numbers for a tight end. But these are the types of things that I, I don't know if Kansas City really is figuring themselves out. And this was all without Chris Jones on defense, too. So you can see that Herbert was able to move that ball up and down the field. And that's another thing that I tweeted out, I believe, on that game was how important Chris Jones is to this defensive line and this defensive scheme. Without him, they are a very different unit, especially when, since they put him back at defensive tackle. Very different squad. But I do struggle with the overall aspect right now to say that they I don't I don't I feel like Green Bay still is to me the top team in contending for the Super Bowl. As we said today, putting Kansas City in that Green Bay category, I still struggle with it, even though they can beat anybody. We've seen it on Thursday. They can come back and turn it on at any given moment. But I still struggle to say, hey, I'm really confident that they can do this in the playoffs again. I I, I want to say I agree, but I mean. It's, it's tough because when you look at their record, you know, right now they're the number one seed in the AFC. And the problem with them, though, and this is what they've been relying on the last couple of years, is just outscoring their opponents. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if they cannot get into a low scoring, close game with another team, they have to rely on scoring, you know, 28, 35 points a game in order to win these, you know, these, these matchups. For me right now, the team in the AFC that I think is the most intriguing the Tennessee Titans mm. there. AJ Brown has been activated off of IR from that chest injury. He has a chance to play this week. Also, Derrick Henry all has a good, very good chance of coming back for the first round of the playoffs. If they get AJ Brown and Derrick Henry back, both healthy by the first round of the playoffs, watch out for Tennessee because that's a team that could take it all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's no kidding, man. And I mean, it, the the thing with AJ Brown, okay, he's only been gone for three, but then you you really going to see the rust maybe on Henry the first game of the playoffs. That might be tough, but I'm with you, man. I think with both those guys back in the saddle, that's that's a very tough team to win or to lose or to beat, I should say. But I mean, Justin Herbert, man, coming from that game, he was doing some shit in that game that I, made me go wow. And I've I've been a huge Herbert fan. You've been a Herbert fan this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have nothing negative to say about the man, but is he now? Can we? Uh, uh, I don't want to say best in the league because that's silly, but right. he's elite of elite man. Like he's showing it to me now that especially against the Chiefs and what he's able to do, the tightest of windows, the placement on the ball, the touch, the the ability to now move out and scramble, the ability to evade pass rushers, like use his whole arsenal on his team, and he's calm, cool, and collected, man. I, I can't, I can't take it away anymore. To me, he's already passed the elite mark. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. And I think for, for quarterbacks right now that are, you know, under the age of, let's say, I don't want to say under the age of 25 because there aren't a lot of, you know, top tier quarterbacks, but I'd say, let's say under the age of, you know, 27, maybe 26, Herbert's got to be one of the, one of the top, top guys there. I think he's right there with, with, when you're talking about Mahomes, you're talking about Josh Allen, you know, I think he's he's number three right behind those guys. You know, Kyler Murray as well, obviously, is, is right there. Um, I think when you talk about those four guys, those are the those are the up and coming faces of the NFL at the quarterback position. Yeah, it's hard to argue, man. I mean, just what they're doing weekly. I mean, okay, speaking of the Cardinals, they lose to the Detroit Lions. Chris, man, what the F is going on in this league? They dropped an absolute goose on that game. The Lions, Kyler looked really bad. The offense couldn't do anything. Very pedestrian play. The defense, man, they got outclassed. I mean, 
are you concerned? Because, uh, you know, that's two weeks in a row. I really thought coming at, off that loss to the L.A. Rams, I thought that they were going to come out guns blazing, trying to prove it on a game that should have been theirs. Given the fact, I get it, Detroit plays really hard on defense and they've been playing hard all year long. This was a shocker. They got a beat down smack in the face. Yeah, I mean, and that's the only thing. You always want to have those these top teams have a get right game. You know, after they lose a heartbreaker, you want them to come back and really just take it to that next opponent, especially when it's such an inferior opponent like the Detroit Lions. Arizona didn't do that. Now, granted, yes, they've been without, you know, D-Hop for the last couple of weeks now. They're not going to have him for the rest of the the regular season, but you have a solid running game, you know, with James Conner. You got Chase Edmonds back this, you know, this past week. And you still have a good receiving core. You know, you have Kirk, you have Rondell Moore. A.J. Green has been playing much, much better. And when you have one of the top four, top five wide receivers in the league and Kyler Murray, uh, sorry, quarterbacks in the league with Kyler Murray, there's there's little, there's no excuse of why you should lose to a, a team that's going to have a top three pick in this year's NFL draft. Which which loss is worse? This one, the Cardinals just dropped to the Lions or the Bills versus the Jaguars? I, I kind of want to, uh, that's tough because, I mean, both of you guys just completely just, you know, laid an egg but with that being said i think this one here because with the cardinals you lost a heartbreaker to the Rams, one of the you know one of the top teams in the league and then you go and you play detroit and you just you don't put it together you know the bills i i counted that kind of as like a one-off you know but with arizona this is a little bit more concerning it's going to be interesting to see how they finish the season because are they going to be able to recover from this or are they going to you know kind of let things spiral out of control because the defense hasn't been great, that's going to be the biggest thing for me is to see how this defense plays out the rest of the year. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm curious as well because, you know, you, you go and you say, did they overlook this contest because of who they're playing the next week? And I mean, okay, they're playing the Browns on Christmas Day. I I, I find it hard to believe that they overlooked the Lions for Cleveland on Christmas Day. It's not like they were playing the Rams again or you know San Francisco or something. But it's like. This one is very confusing to me. It's like Cliff Kingsbury didn't get his troops ready. It's like Kyler was uh, completely lost. He was throwing the ball all over the place. And, you know, even the DeAndre Hopkins argument, I don't know if I can take anymore because he hasn't necessarily been the top end wide receiver that we expected him to be this year. He's been dealing with injuries all year. They've been spreading the ball around a lot. They've been utilizing the run game more. I don't know, man. This one's Arizona really like at this point, I, I think I even saw a discussion, you know, talking who's where do you where do you fit Arizona in this division now with L.A. and San Fran? And and he the one analyst said, you know, I put him as number three now because I, and I at first I was like, whoa, that's bold. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's not a, that bold of a thought because. San Fran is playing very good football. They're well balanced on both sides of the ball. And the and the Rams, you know, okay, fine. They've had a couple letdown games, but they can like the Chiefs, they can turn it on at any point. I mean, but to suggest they're number three in this division, really? Are we that far? <laughs> Two weeks removed from us saying Super Bowl contender to third in the division, Chris. Like shit, man. Yeah. So, and I correct me if I'm wrong. I you may have said that the the Cardinals play the the Browns. Cardinals play the Colts. Oh, on Colts. Christmas Sorry. Day. Sorry, my yeah, it's, bad. It's the, the Packers play the Browns, so which means the Cardinals now get to deal with um, who should be the NFL MVP in Jonathan Taylor, um, who I believe, if I correct me if I'm wrong, over his last five games he hasn't hit 100 yards rushing in just one of those. So correct. 
best best of luck, Arizona. And that's okay. So then there's my point. I, I stumbled and said if they're playing the Browns, they're actually playing the Colts. Maybe they were overlooking it then. If that is the because there, I flip my argument right there. Because if you're playing a team that just you know can run over any defense with JT, and as long as Carson Wentz, good God, as long as he can actually just stay out of his own way. Maybe they were overlooking it, Chris. Maybe that was the problem. They just thought they could run through Detroit and go to Christmas Day and play the Colts and, and have a face-off there. I don't know. That's that's a concern, though. If you're you're not at a point where you've proven to the NFL that you can overlook some teams and still win. So I think that's a big learning lesson for this Cardinals club. Yeah, and the one thing that we saw, you know, with the, the Colts-Patriots game is how great this Colts front seven is. Their pass rush is phenomenal. Mm. I mean, DeForest, uh, De, De, I mean, when, uh, when when they had DeForest Buckner, you know, I mean, that was just an absolute great. And you have Darius Leonard, one of the top linebackers mm. in the league. Beast. The secondary is a little bit, you know, iffy, but this front seven is going to get after it, down after down. And Kyler Murray, is, thank God he can scramble because he's going to need those legs in this matchup. Agreed. 100% agree, man. And I mean, moving to a team that is on a winning streak of their own, the Miami Dolphins, man, the fish, they got six in a row, Chris. And, and I mean, okay, it's against teams that we can say are lesser and, but Hey, there's no easy wins as the Cardinals just proved this past week, you got to play hard to win in this league. And I mean, our boy Duke, he goes off 22, 107 and two touchdowns because of the COVID in Miami. But nevertheless, man, no Jalen Waddle. Okay, Tua started slow. He ended up playing better as the game wore on. And with the New Orleans Saints, Tennessee Titans, New England Patriots left on their schedule, they got to run the table, I would want to assume, if they want to get into the playoffs. And, I mean, that division game versus New England uh, uh, last week of the season? Good Lord almighty, that could be fireworks. I know. They're, they're about four places, four seeds away from getting that last playoff spot, that number seven seed. And like you said, I think they are. I think they're going to have to win out. Maybe they can lose one game, but for the most part, they're going to have to, you know, win their their next three games to make the playoffs. But with the win streak that they've got going, I mean, who who knows at this point? Two has been playing well. You know, it sucks that they didn't have Jalen Waddle this past game, but with with Parker, with Gasicki, I mean, now you throw our boy Duke Johnson into the mix. Ooh. The de- the defense itself has been playing very very well, and now mm-hmm. that the offense is catching up too. This is a team that, you know, might not be ready this year, but this AFC East is going to be quite the division for the next handful of years. Dude, and it makes me sad because this team is going on the rise too, and I don't like it. Why does it have to be? See, our window with the Bills, the window was only one freaking year, man. You guys screwed up so bad. You AFC Championship, that should have been our Super Bowl, and I could have been smiling. Now the road gets so much tougher. Miami. Miami's in the mix now. Good God almighty. And just imagine if the Jets actually start to get a little bit better. That, may, that won't happen for years to come, but you know, they're, they're on the rise. I, I don't hate the Jets. They're on the rise. Give them some time. They'll be all right. Speaking of your new England Patriots, I had to bring it up because it's a good one. And I mean, you, you went off, this guy went radio dark, like very quickly. As soon as JT yeah. started running, there was no Chris anywhere to be found. He was saddened. And I mean, the Colts, they, they, you got to give them credit, man. They used the New England Patriot uh, game plan to, uh, against them. And they only won with Carson Wentz completing five passes and JT running all over them. And it was run, run, run. And I mean, Chris, you go ahead, man. The floor is yours, man. How did that uh, loss make you feel? Bad. 
That's all I have to say about that. No, um, but it, but it, but it's true. After that, uh, after that pump block return for a touchdown, I just completely. Mean, you guys didn't hear from me for the rest of the night. Um, Jake, I, when I said something the next day, Jake's like, "Yeah, yeah, you pretty much went uh, went zero dark thirty for a while there." But yeah. it was the one thing that with with the Colts is, and I mentioned it just this now. Their pass rush was phenomenal. New England has a very good offensive line. They have a solid offensive line. They're finally healthy. But this Colts defensive front just took it to the Mac Jones. Didn't have much time to throw. Made some bad decisions. The one, the one thing with Mac Jones is I have to keep reminding myself is that he is still a rookie. And mm-hmm. that's something that I forget a lot of the time because of how well he's played all throughout the season. But the first interception that he threw was to arguably the, the Colts' best defensive player in Darius Leonard. And he's the mic on that defense. The quarterback's job when he gets to the line is number one, to identify the mic and know where this guy is going to be at all times. And that ball that he threw, it's like he didn't even know Leonard was on the field because he just, Leonard just kind of creeped in, took it away. Um, The other interception that he threw was just a great defensive play by the cornerback. That diving interception was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Jones probably could have thrown a little bit more outside to the sideline, but it was just a great defensive play overall. Special teams. It's something that Bill Belichick prides himself on. Like, I guarantee you that's all they're working on in practice this week is special teams because the fact that they allowed that pump block to happen, just I'm sure that probably infuriated him more than just about any other play that game. But what I saw from the Colts was a team that, you know, like you said, kind of took a page out of the Patriots playbook. They they run the ball. They don't rely on the quarterback to win them the game. It's going to be the running game and it's going to be the defense. And that's exactly what won the Colts that game. Their defense played phenomenal. Mm. Jonathan Taylor just was Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's the best running back in the league right now. And he showed it. The fact that he, that, 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 you know, game winning uh, run that he had pretty much. Yes. That sealed it. I mean, the end of the game, you know, you're facing a stacked eight man box and he still took it to the house for that long touchdown run. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing I can say. It's not, you know, oh, well, we should have done this. We should have done that. No, the Colts just flat out beat the Patriots and were the better team that night. Yeah, man. And that is okay. I Like we said, is is Jonathan Taylor the league MVP? And in my opinion, he absolutely is right now. And the, yep. fact, that he, the fact that he likely won't win because it's a quarterback award now really sucks. I hate that. You know, and I mean, the 67-yard TD run to end the game. Two minutes left in the game. You still had the, you had the lead, but if you gave the ball back to New England, there was an opportunity for Mac Jones to win this game. You give it to Jonathan Taylor in your own end, man. And he finds the hole. He find his vision, dude. His vision to me mm. from year one to year two has gone like through the roof uh, of, of improvement. Remember, we used to see him. He run into the back of the defense or of his offensive line, and he'd kind of yep. crumble trying to find. That isn't happening anymore. He understands the little shimmy sidestep, and then he finds the little gap in the hole, and then bam, he's off to the races. What a run! That to me stamped it. Depending on what happens in the last three games, obviously is going to tell the tale. But that right there, if he wins the league MVP, that was the one of the plays where, cause what do we say about MVP, man? It is the guy you remove him from your team. Can you still win? They don't win that game without JT. And that's how this season has gone for the Colts. That to me was his MVP moment, man, so far. Oh, hands down. I mean, and, and granted the, the Patriots don't have the best, you know, run defense in the league to begin sure. with, but they're a team that prides themselves on, you know, doing whatever they can to focus on the opposing team's best player to not necessarily shut them down, but to try to take them out of the game and slow them down. 
they didn't slow down Jonathan Taylor. Even without that run, granted his, his stats wouldn't have been phenomenal, but he was falling forward on every run. He was pulling the pile. There was one play where he drug like four or five players with him to get mm. that first down. Like he was doing it play after play all throughout the game. Even without that 60 plus yard touchdown, he was still the deciding factor in that football game. Absolutely, man. And I mean, Darius Leonard, you brought him up in his fantastic play. It was funny. I don't know if you caught the pregame. He sat down with Ray Lewis and they were chopping up his film on an interception that it was exactly the same as what he did to uh, Mac Jones. He, he goes into the cover tube, fades out to the back, and he's not even caring where the wide receiver. He said this to Ray Lewis straight up. He says, I wasn't. He said, tell me what you're doing on this play. And it was so awesome to watch as a fan, even uh, as an analyst. I was studying. I'm like, oh, I'm taking all of this in. But he was like, I, I'm not even caring about the wide receiver. He's like, let the wide receiver run their routes. He's like, I'm, I'm relying the safety and the defensive back are going to be there. He says, I'm just watching that quarterback in this cover too. where his eyes are going. That's mm -hmm. where I'm going. And he's like, I bait him just a little bit. He says, I go a little bit too far to the side. So he thinks I can't make the play. And the next thing you know, boom, interception. What a play. Yeah, because that's the thing with that cover, too, is that, you know, the middle linebacker has that that freedom, you know, to pretty much play center field. And he can he's in that zone so he can just stay in his little area. And like you said, read the quarterback's eyes, figure out where it's going. And especially if it's a mobile quarterback, which Mac Jones isn't, it allows him to kind of spy that QB to make sure that he's not going anywhere. So with with Darius Leonard, again, one of the faster guys, you know, at that position, it's a perfect, perfect offensive scheme for him. Yeah, I loved it, man. Everything about it. But I will give some positives to your Patriots. You know, I, I won't be biased. Mac Money Jones. I've been on the wagon. You know this. I, I, I really like his game. And what I saw in that contest was a little bit more pressure on him right now and that we've seen over especially their winning streak we haven't seen much pressure come to him and that's what kind of pissed me off against the bills in that first meeting was the fact that they didn't pressure him enough the offensive line was clearly doing the job and stifling the bills to get in the backfield but mac jones you know the pressure got to him he started getting a little bit of happy feet but what it didn't do to his game was remove the ability to throw accurate passes, man. Like yep. the deep ball that was down the sideline, that should have been caught. It was dropped. Uh, Nikhil Harry, I believe, dropped that pass. Yeah. Right. And then you saw the interception, like you said, that one. I don't hate that pick because what he was able to show me, Mac Jones, was he is not afraid to go into that tight window and he's able to make these throws in those tight windows. And when you see a guy that poised and composed uh, amidst a great pressure and pass rush to still have that confidence as a freaking rookie without a wide receiver one, I, I mean, to me, that just lifted my thought process on Mac Jones to be that much better as he continues to grow. You guys got a legit baller on your hands, and I'm not happy about it as a Bills fan. You guys should be smiling ear to ear because, I mean, the progression that I've seen from Mac Jones from week one training camp, for God's sakes, to now, I mean, it's night and day. I mean, he's just picked up everything that's been thrown at him. Yeah, the one thing that worried me that I saw from him in that game, though, is that when he does throw into those tight windows, he's almost he's he's setting up his was his wide receivers at a really bad position there were two passes where he just snuck into a super tight window where his receivers got absolutely clocked sure and that's something i want to i want to see him be a little bit smarter about is the position that he's going to be putting these receivers in once he throws that ball yeah i agree I, I, there's there's refinement that definitely needs to be had but i mean uh, overall you can't hate what he's doing your Patriots, they just got out, mm -hmm. out muscled and outbeat versus a, versus a team that can run and dominate on defense. I mean, it is what it is, but.
So anyway, Chris had to go to the washroom, so we had to stop and start again. Hey, it is what it is, man. Bowel movements don't stop. Ask Lamar Jackson. That's true. And now I'm going to come back and I'm going to have the most amazing 20 minutes of a show we've ever had. Ever had, man. The comeback is coming. I love it, man. It's awesome. But where I was going before you interrupted me was subsequently this now puts our friendship again into uh, disarray with this loss. And it is now Buffalo versus New England week again, Chris. And the day after Christmas of all days. Of all like, this days. Is, oh, man. You know, the happiness is going to be come back with with some nightmares potentially in the Bills and the Patriots again. This time it's in New England. Weather does not look like it's going to be a factor i love it it was 10 to 20 mile an hour winds no rain i love it so here we go now we have optimal uh well not optimal but is for 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 northern teams it's optimal weather conditions this is for the division buddy and this is going to tell the tale on how this playoff tree could round out because this is a massive game if the bills beat your patriots they retake if i'm not mistaken number one spot in the division at this point correct crazy times buddy i mean i'm i'm a little nervous myself but i don't know man how you feeling so i'm a little bit nervous because um so today being being wednesday um there were some practice issues with the uh, with the patriots all right nelson aguilar didn't practice uh because he is dealing with a concussion ramondre stevenson didn't practice due to an illness mm-hmm. damien harris and pretty much they had a bunch of players that were limited in practice damien harris still dealing with that hammy and Keel Harry with a hip injury. Um, we've got our kicker, Nick Folk, who's been on the, the, the injury report pretty much all season. But our starting center, David Andrews, limited practice with a shoulder injury. And then our two starting uh, players, Christian Barmore and Jawan Bentley, both dealing with injuries as well. So again, it could be the Belichick effect with a lot of these guys with, you mm. know, they're, they're on the injury report. But the fact that both Harris who was limited and Stevenson who didn't even practice. That's a little bit worrisome. So I want to see what the practice reports look like, you know, pretty much leading up to like Friday. I want to see what it looks like come Friday and then go from there. Yeah, man. I mean, with uh, Dre's illness, it's non COVID related. So that's something to note, but I mean, um, maybe he just has to poop and he'll feel better. Maybe, maybe it's just a little diarrhea squirts and he's got to get out of his system. I mean, that's just, you know, that, that happens this time of year with a lot of beverages, That's true. you know, some food, you know, spicy food. I don't know what these people are into, man. They like to party and do their thing. He's got some squirts, but hey, maybe they had they had a bad batch of clam chowder. It's New England. It happens. It's fine. Gross, man. Gross. But hey, man, Harris, to me, you know, I think is is very important for you guys. And it kind of showed it really showed to me. So, I, you know, Dre's my guy and, and I love right. his game. I think, you know, for a guy who's 240, he's played up to 250. And I mean, he can do still like a four or five. Like that's that's pretty quick for a big man. The thing is, is that you saw Belichick and what he did or Josh McDaniels, I should say, because he calls the offensive plays. But he was trying to get Ramondre to go on the outside outside the tackle that is not a good move for Dre he can't do it man in every scouting report that I have seen you're going to get one out of 20 that he's going to be able to hit that corner and go inside the tackle man whether it be on the guard off tackle on the guard or just right off the tackle going on the outside that way no pitches man no uh seven yards deep pitch to Ramondre because that's not his game he is the in between the tackles he is right on the edge on the uh, off tackle 
without Harris, it was it was clear to me that your run game uh, truly struggled. And then you saw he tried to kind of involve Bolden as the game went on last week. If Harris doesn't go, I think we see a lot of Bolden versus the Bills. I think Belichick understands that the uh, linebackers that Buffalo has can't compete in that regard. So, I mean, but hey, you know, they might take a page out of the book again and say, we're just going to run it straight down your throats because it worked last time. But we'll see how it goes. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about this uh, game plan on defense again this week. Yeah, and I think it, it depends on, on you know, the running back. You know, like you mentioned, Ramondre Stevenson, with his strength, he is that guy that needs to go in between the tackles. That's where he's found a lot of his, of his success. Um, they've had, you know, most of their explosive runs that they've had um, have been in between the tackles. Actually, 15 of their explosive of their explosive runs have been in between the guards, you know, not just the tackles, but right in between the guards. That's where they found the majority of the, their success. And that's also the frequency where they run the ball is right up the gut. You know, it's not worrying about bouncing it to the outside. It's up the gut and that's it. Yeah, man. And I, that's the MO for these backs. Harris, though, I believe Harris, he can get outside. So if he comes back, that's going to be a big problem for Buffalo and a huge lift for the Patriots. No Beasley in this contest, like we said. So Gabe Davis again, man, 48, 45.8 half PPR last three games. He's on the waiver in a lot of leagues still, surprisingly. So, I mean, that should be priority one for y'all. If you're in the semifinals and you need a wide receiver that isn't on COVID at the moment, uh, Gabe Davis, again, no longer a sleeper. He should be it, man. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a Buffalo Bill, so it shouldn't be any surprise that he's on waivers and available. You know, oh, wow, 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 man, this guy we're moving on because, you know, otherwise I'm going to throw something <laughs> through my screen. Speaking of crazy shit, Tampa Bay, man, Tom oh, Brady, God. they lose nine nothing to the New Orleans Saints. Chris, I literally got bamboozled by this because I had the Saints before uh, the news was announced of Sean Payton, I had the, uh, I picked the spread of the saints plus 11. I was like, yeah, there's no way Tom is going to be able to just, you know, railroad this defense. I'm going plus 11. The minute I heard Sean Payton on the COVID, I was like, Oh, that changes my mind a little bit. You know, I don't think that they can coach without Sean Payton. I go minus 11 and I get hit in the face because Tom Brady puts up zero. They lost Evans to the hammy. They lost Godwin to the ACL. That one hurts. Uh, Fournette got lost to the hammy. They just signed. Le'Veon Bell like Chris man it got it went from really bad to like God worse uh, like right in that one game I mean how do we even evaluate this Tampa Bay team right now this is going to be interesting going forward because Godwin being that guy that can you know he can stretch the field but he also goes over the middle quite a bit thankfully they do get you know Antonio Brown back but still mm. without Godwin I mean this really does hurt this offense now it's, it's Tom Brady. He can make do with, you know, Tyler Johnson with Scotty Miller. Absolutely. I think, I mean, hell, Gronk, Gronk got what 11 targets last week. He had two catches. Yep. So I don't know if he can see any more targets than he already does, but he's going to have to really step up. Mike Evans is going to have to step up even more as long as he can, you know, be okay with that hamstring injury. This offense now worries me because unlike Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones relies on that big breakout play. If he doesn't have that big run for 25, 30 plus yards, he doesn't, he's, he's not very good at just racking up small chunks of yardage here and there. Like Leonard Fournette is, mm -hmm. he's also not very good as, as a receiver as well. So that takes another aspect away from your offense. So this is going to be a very interesting Tampa Bay offense that we see for the rest of the season, or at least until, you know, we get a little bit more clarity on, you know, Leonard Fournette and what's going to be happening with him, but Godwin, yeah, he's, 
he's done so until next season. Yeah, man. I couldn't believe when the ACL, it was kind of like the Trey white injury where he kind of fell awkwardly. They evaluated him on the sideline. They weren't sure. And then the MRI confirmed it, but I mean, that's a huge loss. I'm a huge Tyler Johnson guy. You know, this, I -hmm. think that he can be, I don't want to say what Godwin was, but I think he could be a very good replacement for that. The thing that I I think you hit the nail on the head is the running back room. So now Ronald Jones, he doesn't catch the ball well. You got Keyshawn Vaughn. He showed that he is just, you know, what he was. I mean, he can't do anything on the field. This is why they brought in Gio. And Gio is still out with an injury himself. He's not coming back for the foreseeable future. This is a big problem for Tom Brady. He relies a lot on his check down. And the check down is what opens up because, okay, fine, you're not running well in the game. Tom Brady understands in the New England days. You recreate the run through the short pass on the running backs, and then that'll pull the safeties down. Now you can open up on your wide receivers. This is going to be one of the bigger aspects. I think Gronk will be involved. AB back is massive for this team. No question about it. But if Mike Evans can't go and it's Tyler Johnson, A.B., and then who knows if Lev even makes the field uh, in this time. But there you go. Maybe he's the receiving back. Like, look how quickly they call Lev to say, hey, man, come to Tampa. We need someone who can catch the ball because they're legit worried about the most important part of their offense. Yeah. And when you look at the rest of their schedule, I mean, the Panthers haven't played great this year, but they still have a very solid defense. They get the Panthers twice and then they you know, have a quote unquote gimme against the Jets. So. Tampa Bay, I could see them going. I could see them maybe dropping one of these to Carolina, depending on Carolina's offense, which sure, yeah, yikes. <laughs> so, so let's just say to be nice, you know, they they finish out the season two and one. Um, very well could go three and oh. Yep. But once they start matching up with top tier talent in the NFC in the playoffs, it's going to be it's it's tough to predict right now because last year they had everybody healthy. Everybody was they were just banging on all cylinders towards the end of the year. And this year they're just starting to drop like flies at the very wrong time of the year. Yeah, man. I think I saw even Levante David hit on the injury report too. So good Lord, Tampa Bay, nine, nothing. First time Tom Brady has been shut out in what? 2012, I believe. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't forget, you know, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have, uh, have reached out to Le'Veon Bell, you know, as far as being, you know, going Yeah, yeah there, that, so. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So then they're yeah. going to have the, the PPR upside with Lev. So, yeah, which means, I mean, yeah. So you don't, you don't listen to me as I talk is, is apparently what we're doing now. Yeah, no, honestly, I completely missed that. That's my bad. <laughs> You're good, man. You're good. I, I forgive But you. can we talk about Le'Veon Bell for a second? Where Talk about Lev. All right. So he's going to Tampa Bay. Why is that? If, I don't know. And I'm sure people are getting excited about this on Twitter. Okay. But why? Why would you get excited? For anyone that is excited about this, I don't understand why. All right. He, obviously, he didn't do anything with Baltimore to the point where he got cut you know Devonte freeman they felt was a better option than Le'Veon bell all right gross, went gross. to the chiefs last year nothing you nothing. know so what why like Le'Veon bell literally like is uh talking about retiring to become a boxer and then tampa bay calls like just no i'm 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 out on Le'Veon bell so if yeah. he's on your waiver wire do not pick him up yeah i, I think i tend to agree i mean what are you Maybe decoy, really. I mean, that's kind of how I maybe um, maybe they got Ronald Jones on the jugs machine trying to catch passes like all week. I don't know. It's it's a it's a running back body, Phil, because they know it's Keyshawn, man. He can't do nothing. Keyshawn Vaughn can't do nothing. He's lost complete confidence in whatever ability he did have, in my opinion. And I'm out on that guy anyway. You imagine if it'd be interesting with Tampa Bay. Could you imagine? And granted, 
hindsight's 2020, but if they have had just like with Gio being injured, if they were like, you know what? Hey, Duke Johnson's still available. We should probably go pick him up. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about your luck. You missed the boat. Yeah. See, see, I don't understand why these teams, we, man, we talk it up. How many times Duke Johnson gets the disrespect. I get it. It was the jets. Fine. But Duke is a player, man. And if put in the right situation, I think Tampa Bay would have been a very good situation for Duke Johnson. I agree. But yeah. again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. So you missed the boat there, Tampa. And I don't even care, man. Let Tampa Bay lose first round of the playoffs and out. I don't really care about Tom anymore. Get out of the league. It's enough already, man. God, like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's enough. Broncos debate, Chris. The Broncos debate. I see a lot of Twitter activity on this one. And it is Justin Fields versus Patrick Sertain. Because they, you know, that was the goal is who are you going to pick? The Broncos needed a franchise passer. John Elway yeah. and company, they buck the trend. They say, no, we, uh, defensive backs who are shut down corners, franchise shut down island corners are harder to find than a franchise QB, which is actually a bold statement in itself. Yeah, not that's a very bold statement. Not necessarily untrue, but I mean, it's a very bold statement. I, I don't know if I would do, but. Sertain locked up Chase to four targets, one reception for three yards. That is the definition of lockdown island. And I mean, Justin Fields is still struggling with Matt Nagy. So, I mean, right now, as we sit today, John Elway's got the leg up. But I mean, I don't know how it's going to pan out over 10 years. All right. So let's let's put it this way. Um, a shutdown corner is tougher to find than a franchise quarterback, which, you know, I I, I understand that. But you decided to go with Chetty Bridgewater, okay? And over your last eight games, Denver, you've only scored 16 points once, 14 points another time, and then every other single week has been 13 points and less. Like, you've scored 20-plus points in four games, okay? Four games this year. That's That's fantastic. If you want to win games in the NFL, you have to learn how to actually put points on the board. Okay. This isn't like the 2001 Ravens where you can win every single game, like nine to three. Like Mm. it's just, it's not the way the league works anymore. So for me, I love Sertan. I love what he's done. I think he's been phenomenal this year. Mm -hmm. You need a quarterback because I mean, Teddy wasn't the answer. Obviously drew lock wasn't the answer, but he's going to have to be the next few weeks. So figured out Elway. All right. Not every quarterback. It's not the, the fact that he thinks that it's tougher to find a franchise, you know, a franchise quarter than a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. How many franchise quarterbacks are there actually in the league? Like that's, I would love Correct. to ask him that question of like, how many quarterbacks in this league do you think there actually are that you could build your team around for the next seven plus years? I guarantee you, he comes up with like seven. Sure. That's about it. Yeah, I know. I'd say I, I don't hate it, man. And I mean, he's going on the premise still that you win on defense, no fly zone. And and Peyton, that's, the, you know, it's recency bias because you won with Peyton Manning being at the twilight of his career where he could barely throw like Cam and the defense won you the game. He just did enough not to lose the game. So, I mean, that... I don't hate it, but I mean, the game changes. You got to evolve with the game. I love Patrick Sertain. I think he is. I agree. I do too. He's, he's unbelievable. He is light years ahead of his time. I mean, is it, is it wrong for me to say it's, it's trajectory of Dion esque perhaps, but I mean, he is, he is that good. And I think he's going to be legit. If he continues down this way, a legit hall of famer in the running. And I know that's bold in a rookie, but I mean, he's, he's doing everything to check those boxes off. If they did take Justin Fields over Sertain, how many wins are they putting up this year? 
more than Teddy? Yeah, I think I think if they had Fields, I think they are a ten and four team right now. Ooh, wow! Instead of the seven seven that they're currently at. Bold, bold. I don't hate it, man. And I mean, okay, I got to talk about two players from Denver here because Javante, our boy, fifty five point mm. five half PPR in the last four games. Where do you have him next year likely for your ADP for running backs? Because man, he is, he's man. You guys know me. If you listen to the show last six weeks of a season tells a lot of tales for what the player is going to do. Young players, especially going into the following season. I was on Vante this year for me, man, his stock just continues to go up. Now this is going to be going under the assumption that Denver does not bring back Melvin Gordon. Sure. Right. That's where I'm going to. Absolutely. And he's Gordon. Gordon has come out and said that he'd love to come back to Denver. Yeah, um, I, like it. I, I know. I, I really wish that he was unhappy in Denver. So he <laughs> would just want to leave. Um, if, if Javante is the clear cut RB one on that team, Javante Williams is a first round top 10 pick for me in 2022 fantasy drafts with or without a quarterback. I don't care who the quarterback is. I could be the quarterback. He's still a top 10 pick for me. Perfect. I love it, man. Cause now you solidify my argument. Cause because I, mean, I could it, check it down to him all day long. I don't exactly. Care. I love it. Cause he, it's not that he can't catch or anything. He's he's good. And even if uh, Melvin does return, I think next year is when you do see the shift happen. I don't like it, but you see the, uh, the shift go from 60, 40 from uh, at the beginning from Gordon yeah. to now Vontae being the and, leader. And maybe it's something similar to what we probably would have seen in Indianapolis. If Marlon Mack didn't tear his Achilles, yes. I think you would have seen that that progressive changeover happen, you know, in Indianapolis. I mean, even now you're seeing Naheem Hines not being phased out of the offense, but definitely nowhere near the usage that he was in the first handful of games this season. Absolutely. That's just how it goes when someone's balling and Vontae's on the next uh, trip. How about Jerry Judy, man? Zero points. Huge goose egg. Killed me in one of my leagues. I, I'm mad at you, Judy, even though, you know, I was preaching you up, dude, and now I have to raise the question. Since coming back from his ankle, Judy has what? Not even hit the 10-point mark in the last seven weeks since coming back, Chris. And I understand, okay, I get it, quarterback play, 110%. I mean, look at what happened to Cortland Sutton. They can't even get him the damn ball. I, I still want to believe in Judy, man. I do. The drops from the first season really bugged me. The injury this year, fine. Freak accident, rolled up his ankle, fine. I just, I, I'm questioning Judy right now, man. I really am. I'm not questioning Judy. I'm questioning this offense because the same thing has happened with Cortland Sutton. Since Judy came back from his injury, Cortland Sutton has seen more than five targets. What once or twice, yeah. you know, since like week seven, week eight. So for me, I don't think it's the player. I do think it's the offense and what's going on here. And because Judy is too talented, Sutton is too talented for this to happen. So I do kind of, I, Again, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's like the you know the the Bridgewater effect or the Denver effect, whatever we want to call it here. You know, kind of like we had with Adam Gase and you know maybe Matt Nagy. Mm. But I do think that it's a it's more of a situational organization you know problem than it is a player problem. Perfect. I'm glad you said that because I needed somebody to tell me more because. I was sitting there. I'm like, why? Why aren't you separating? Why aren't you catching those passes? Why aren't you? And that's all I kept saying. Why aren't you? Why aren't you? And as I was watching that game, and I just, it has to be the quarterback play. It has to, because see, look, Locke comes in, and his favorite target is Tim Patrick, always has been, apparently, because he scores a touchdown. But I mean, this Jerry Judy thing bugs me so much because like year one, all the drops now year two is just no, no involvement in the offense whatsoever. That's a big red flag to me because all of a sudden you're talking, you know, 
Devontae Parker type like year five breakout. I don't know if I'm willing to have the heart to wait for a breakout in year five. God damn it. No, I, I'm I'm completely there with you. But I do think, again, I think Judy is he's got the talent where he's going to he just needs someone to be able to throw him the ball, okay. you know, and and who knows? I, I'm excited to see what Drew Locke does, these, you know, this week to see if maybe he can spark something, you know, because he's got that big arm. He's the gunslinger. He loves to throw it downfield. I want to I want to kind of see what he can do with this with these receivers here. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I'm not off the wagon. I'm just concerned. That's all. Let me clarify that. Yep, that's fair. Baltimore, man, you I got to give you props, man. Last week, this guy goes, we were talking about Lamar Jackson and his ankle injury. And Chris comes out and says, yeah, you know, they should just rest him. This Huntley kid looks good and he's going to be able to do what he needs to do. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, wow, man, this guy's got some confidence in Huntley. And there's not a lot of tape on this man. Huntley goes off, man. Twenty. I'm gonna yeah. say go. I'm gonna say goes off because he played freaking unbelievable against Green Bay. Twenty eight for 40, 215, two touchdowns. Ran Lamar style. Thirteen for seventy three. I mean, Huntley, man, was he auditioning for another role potentially soon? Because I mean, he looked good, man. I hope he does. I mean, he's 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 obviously able to do it with his legs. You know, he's able to to, to scramble. He's making the right throws that he needs to with his arm. Weeks 14 and 15, he's the key. He was the fantasy QB three between those two games. He had 51 points between those two games. I mean, and, and in the first game in week 14, it was in a relief role. He scored 15 points in a relief role after mm. Jackson got injured. So is Huntley the answer, you know, for the rest? Of, no, of course not. But I do think that he is a serviceable quarterback that I, I want to call him Jalen Hurts-esque. You know, mm. he's, he's that guy that is, you know, isn't going to, you know, beat you with his arm, but he's also not going to make a ton of mistakes with his arm either. But he also has that rushing ability that keeps you on your toes. It keeps you unbalanced as a defense. You know what I liked about his game a lot last week against Green Bay? You're going up against a very strong defense in Green Bay and his ability to read the field, keep his eyes downfield all the time. His progressions were good, and his release is very quick. So mm-hmm. it was like, it, it, like when you see a quarter, people don't understand the release a lot. The release gives you the opportunity to be late on your throw because your release is that quick. So if your read is off, it's like the Dan Marino. He just his release was so fast that ball just lasered out. Huntley has a very good release. It's so quick that even if he misses his read, look at look at the game that Mark Andrews had. He was able to support that guy the whole day. So, I mean, I, I liked what I saw. I think his game is is good. I don't want to say it's great, obviously, but, right, right. Um, you know, he, he serviceable to ascending, I think, is is a great point for, for him right now. And, speak, you know, talking about release, let's look at it. You know, let's look at a guy like Michael Vick, you know. Quick, quick, one of the quickest releases we've ever seen. I mean, velocity just off the charts and not the most accurate quarterback because let's be honest, I mean, he missed a lot of targets, but the fact that he had such a quick release, he could just zip it in there to make up for that lack of accuracy. Agreed. And as long as they can understand how to work within their toolkit, I don't mind this kid. If he gets a start again this week, I'll be interested. But I mean, Excuse me, Harbaugh going for two to win the game two weeks in a row, Chris. Uh, would, would you have gone for two? Because everyone, I'm listening to all these analysts on, on Sunday Night Football. Oh, I didn't hate the call. I think the call was great. Why do, why, how do you like this call? Yeah, okay, it's balls. He's got kahunas for days to say, I'm going to put the, the team on the line and, and my potential playoffs on the line. But seriously, man, kick the damn point and go into overtime. Everyone's going to say, oh, but we, what if you don't get the ball back in overtime? It's no different than going for two. How is that different than going for two? 
honestly, I mean, literally what you're, you're saying to your team is I don't think our defense is good enough to stop green Bay, which I mean, they weren't, they gave up, you know, they, they gave up 31 points, but their offense was good enough to, yeah, you, you take the chance, you know, you take your team to overtime because number one, you have the best kicker in the league, you know, that has a chance to hit it from 50 plus 55 plus yards if you need to. And you have a quarterback that played really, really well. I, I mean, if you want to show confidence to your team, you say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to take this thing to overtime because I believe that we can win this outright. And it's a 50-50 shot. You talk about analytics for a coin toss, man. 50-50 is a good move. You're talking two-point conversion at the end of the game to win it? Uh, give me the analytics on that. That's got to be, what, like 13%, man? Yeah, no, I didn't like the. And I'm an analytics guy, but I didn't like the call. No, I didn't like it either. I'm only harping on analytics because I saw too much of the going for it and being like, I don't like my kickers in, in NFL football week 15. Like, And I'm not a supporter of kickers, but hey, they're people too, man. Last guy I got to talk about is Mr. Dallas Godare. Mm. Is he entering? Oh, yeah. Is he entering the conversation of elite tight end? Because what I saw, and I get it, it is um, the Washington football team, you know, decimated with COVID and injuries. I completely understand. But what I saw, seven for one thirty-five last night on Tuesday night football. And, and the reason why they had to get rid of Zach Ertz because he's been in the shed waiting for his opportunity to be the lead tight end on this team. We've loved him. We overdrafted him this year, and now it's starting to come to fruition what we believed it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Is he now entering the tight end elite category? It could be because as far as I'm concerned, I've had him as a top 10 dynasty tight end for like the last three years just waiting waiting for Philadelphia to move on from Zach Ertz. And now that they finally have, we've seen exactly what this guy can do right now in half PPR leagues. He's a tight end six. He's just outside of the top five right now. So for me, absolutely. Like this guy is going to be what he's going to be up there with. And again, you know, a lot of it has to do with volume and you know, how this team goes, but is he up there? Obviously with the Kelsey Kittles Andrews, absolutely not. No, but he is up there with, you know, the Hawkinson's, the Kasikis, the, you know, the, I mean, hell right now you could probably put them in the same category with Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. I think he's in that next tier below that, below that elite talent right now. Okay. Fair enough. And um, maybe it's Jalen hurts for me, but he was, he was slinging the ball and hurts looked good last night. And I mean, if, if they continue to progress and they make this a tight end heavy run game and then using uh Devontae smith as their as their main piece at the i don't hate the offense man i really don't but you got to make everything hum and move perfectly i i loved what i saw from his route tree last night he was just on point he looked like a different player men among men among boys last night like that's how it looked to me when i was watching dallas play football no i i, I completely agree with you um I mean, hell, we even saw, you know, Miles Sanders finally start mm. to reemerge. Didn't find the end zone, but at least he started to reemerge, you know, had another 100 plus yard game, which makes my dynasty team very, very happy. Mm. But again, it's going to be, you know, this, the Philadelphia Eagles are just are a very worrisome organization because I feel like they don't really know what direction they want to go to. I don't know if they want to be competitive. They want to kind of, you know, just pack it in and go for a draft pick mm-hmm. because the usage of some of their players has been a little bit questionable, especially with somebody like a Miles Sanders who has not been used the way that he needs to, like he needs, he needs a, he needs a, an average NFL running back workload, like an RB one. And he hasn't been getting that with the exception of the last few weeks and get him involved in the past game. Miles can catch the ball, man. That would, yeah. 
He could be your mismatch all over the field, and they just don't, they refuse to use him that way. Trade him to Buffalo. We will use him right. We won't run him at all, and we'll use him in the pass game. That's He'll be PPR's stud. Give him to Buffalo, please. I love me some Miles Sanders. And also, can I just say, poor Jalen Rager. Like, what oh, happened to the guy? It's like he doesn't exist anymore. Can we oh, get this guy some, some targets? Get him some love, man. This is poor guy. some love. You know why? Because if, if you got drafted behind uh, or, or above JJ, uh, I think I would have nightmares too, and it would kill my confidence. So, oh God, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what's killing them. But hey, Chris, Merry Christmas, brother. I hope you have a great one with the family. Um, absolutely, we'll, we'll be back before the new year. But yeah, man, have some have some drinks, have some food, and you know, spend yeah. some quality time. And Merry Christmas to you, buddy. Absolutely, Merry Christmas to you as well, and to all of Headliner Nation. And you know, I mean. Again, I don't want to, you know, call it too soon, but depending on what happens um, on on Sunday, mm. um, you, you may you may hear from me, you may not. This could, you know, luckily we were able to hash things out very quickly, you know, a few weeks ago after the Bills Patriots game. But this game, I mean, if 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 New England sweeps it, then um, oh man, then this 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 could be the end. Chris yeah. could go missing, and uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, we I talk to him. It's not my fault that he goes missing. He just could go missing. I get, you know what? I get I get lost sometimes. I just don't know my whereabouts, and it happens. And they're going to call me up. Where did? Where were you at this time? Who did you speak to? Just tell us where the body is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go that far, because, man, you're my brother, and I don't want to do that. That's no good. Oh, but it is going to be a crazy game, man. I hope uh, all you guys, I hope all you guys have a wonderful Christmas, spend time with the family, rest and rejuvenate yourselves, watch some football and you know what? Get rid of the negativity, man. There's too much negativity in this world. And uh, you know what? Happiness is so much better. I wish you guys nothing but health and happiness again. Merry Christmas to you all. So let's close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Vineyard Remedy. To all listeners, thank you for all the support. On behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.